Welcome to Career Catalyst, a podcast that focuses on the gap between career planning and job searching advice. There are plenty of great sources for understanding how to handle job interviews, create resumes, or how to network. But this podcast focuses on the important topic of what people actually do and what paths they have taken in their career journeys. On this final episode of season two, I talk with a unique guest who has forged his own path in a career that has ranged from insurance sales to rental car agency management to payment processing, and most recently in a financial management role at Northwestern Mutual. His name is Terrence Floyd, and he shares his story about the importance of perseverance, setting personal goals, and creating independent income streams. His insights are unique and helpful, and many of his quotes are memorable. For anyone who's contemplated 100% commission roles or starting a business in an open territory, this is a great conversation to learn about the ups and downs of being in business for yourself. Remember, if you like this show, please give it some love, rate it, share it, follow it, and tell your friends. I hope you enjoy the conversation because I certainly enjoyed having it. Welcome to the next episode of Career Catalyst. I'm excited, as I'm always excited, to talk about uh, people's journeys and their stories. Uh, today, I've got a, a special guest. He's a, he's a guy that I've met through a group that's become very important to me. It's called F3. Um, we might talk a little bit about it in our discussion, but Terrence is a friend of mine, and I'm excited for him to share his story. So welcome to the show, Terrence. Uh, thanks for having me, Ty. Do you want to uh, just start off with the kind of basics, like who you are and what you're doing right now and where you're at? Sure. I'm Terrence Floyd. I'm from Delaware. I've been in Greensboro, North Carolina for uh, 20 years now, or 21 years. Came in 2000. I transferred from Delaware State University to North Carolina A&T, oh. Aggie Pride, and um, <laughs> ended up graduating with my bachelor's and master's in state. And now I work as a uh, financial advisor with Northwestern Mutual and married three kids um, and excited to be here and glad to be part of the organization where we get to work out and do crazy exercises at 530 in the morning. So. <laughs> Yeah, for, we'll jump, we could the, the F three. It, it stands for Fitness Fellowship and Faith, but it's a it's a group of men uh, now almost all over the country that meet on weekdays at five thirty in the morning. Saturdays are not as early. Work out at five thirty in the morning. It's all outdoors. It's all open to anyone. It's free, and uh, the workouts can be pretty brutal. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and uh, before we we got on on the recording, Terrence and I were talking a little bit about. It. It's funny we you, we you meet a lot of individuals uh, through F three, and you find that you know them through F three, but you don't really know them outside of F three, uh, just the way that it works. Mm -hmm. And it's it's so it's it's actually even more exciting for me to have this discussion because I get to learn a lot about a guy that I've known now. I mean, we probably met. I think I was at your first post. So I've known you probably for three, almost three and a half years. Uh, four, yeah, four years this month. Wow. I mean, yeah, four years. So, wow. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. real cool. All right. So let's talk about your, you know, your journey. You started out at Delaware State and then you transferred to NCANT. Was there, what was the motivation there just, you know, to kind of change schools? Oh, interesting. No one's really asked me that, but uh, so yeah, I was about to get kicked out of Delaware State. Okay. What happened? So they don't do them now, but back in the day, they used to do room checks, right? Like just random room checks. And my roommate 
he was a, a martial artist. And so one weekend he went home and he grabbed like swords, his nunchucks. He had like throwing stars. And these were all just part of props for his, you know, he was a, a, a martial artist. And so they did room checks yeah. on the time we were not there. And of course, you cannot have those type of weapons on a college campus. <laughs> so, so we got a letter stating we had to meet in front of the student council and the board, and there was a possibility that we, if found guilty, we would have to be forced to at least sit out a semester, if not expelled permanently. And so the the hearing was in two weeks. So during that two weeks before the hearing, I applied to like four or five other colleges. <laughs> Just just in case, worst case scenario. <laughs> so we did the hearing and he fessed up that they were his, you know, his martial arts. So that kind of relieved me of any blame. But by then I already had applications already pending. And so so after the hearing, it was another two, three weeks before they came back with a final judgment. <laughs> but by then I had already received a letter from North Carolina A&T that I was accepted. And so I was just like, hey, <laughs> let's 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 go with it. And uh, I think he ended up getting suspended for like a semester, um, but he appealed it and uh, he was able to come back the following fall. And I was like, I'm accepted. I'm going to just go with it. And so I went on. And, and so that's that was my reason for it wasn't to get away, to, to get out of Delaware. It was because I was about to be suspended. So that's my story. Pretty interesting, and I'm still I'm still friends with that guy to t- today till this day. Actually, in 2019, I went back to Delaware State because I joined an organization called Gentlemen of Quality, and he was a part of that organization. And we had our 20 year reunion in uh, 2019, so that was pretty cool. That is cool. That is very cool, and it's mm-hmm. it's very forgiving of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Considering uh, my whole life trajectory changed because of his decision to bring his his nunchucks to the dorm room. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That might be the title yeah. of the conversation here. How nunchucks <laughs> changed a career. Um, <laughs> right. As you made this transition, did that also change what you were studying? Or did you kind of, what you were planning on studying at Delaware, kind of transfer over to what you wound up studying at A&T? At Delaware State, my major was agricultural economics, right? So I knew I wanted to stay at an HBCU. It's a historically black college or mm-hmm. university. However, there's not that many H, uh, HBCUs that have an accredited agricultural program. There's only like four. There's Delaware State, there's North Carolina A&T, there's Tuskegee, and there's, uh, there's I'm sorry, there's Alabama A&M, and there's FAMU. The other options were a little too far for me. So North Carolina A&T was, happened to be the closest. Mm-hmm. So when I transferred, I stayed uh, majoring in agriculture mm-hmm. economics. How did I get in ag- agriculture mm-hmm. economics? I started college as an undecided major. And just speaking to different advisors, you know, I wanted to get in business and they and one advisor was just like, well, agriculture, you know, it separates you from the competition. Just that, you know, business marketing, that's yeah. so broad, but agriculture just kind of narrows it down a little bit. And then there's not that many people that look like me in that particular field. So he really convinced me to. And then there was a bunch of money available as far as scholarships and grants. So <laughs> <laughs> that was that, that weighed heavily on that decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't pay. I think I paid student loan my first semester, and after that, I mean, I went to school for free for undergrad. Wow. Mm-hmm. All on all on scholarship because of this major. Yeah, agriculture economics. Yeah, they are looking for minorities. Like, 
when you think of agricultural economics, immediately most people think of farming. Yeah. But agricultural economics is the distribution, marketing, advertising of food and clothing products. And, mm. you know, the advisor was like, hey, as long as people eat and wear clothes, you'll always be able to find a job. I was like, sold, where I sign. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. And then you, you continued it at A&T. And for anyone that doesn't know, I mean, NCA&T is one of the largest HBCUs, is it not? Yes, it is the largest. 2014, 15, we officially became the largest HBCU, past, surpassing Florida A&M. And then, I mean, our football team has taken off. And so, yeah, we're on the map. I mean, we have research programs. We, we produce the, number of the, the, the highest number of black engineers in the country. Some big things going on in North Carolina A&T. And we just put, uh, put up a $91 million student union center that I pay for that I don't get to use. <laughs> <laughs> Still a little salty about, but it's, it's a beautiful building. Yeah, yeah, that's how it usually works. Mm-hmm. The, the, the past students pay for the, pre, uh, the next student. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. And, and being someone who lives in Greensboro and, and not being from Greensboro, so I've, I've only been here a few years, five or six years now, you know, we I knew of N, NCANT. I mean, it, it is nationally known, but I think now that I'm here, it becomes a very big sense of pride because you you can see how NCANT and the community is so intertwined. And I'll tell you, things like the homecoming, there is not a better like the excitement and the energy in the city during that homecoming weekend is, mm-hmm. is something to be experienced. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, also known as GHO, <laughs> which stands for the greatest homecoming on earth. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, the city pretty much shuts down. I mean, there's not a, ho- generally there's not a hotel, yeah. pre-COVID, there's not a hotel available in city limits. And they're booked a year out, you know, and then you look at the history yeah. of a and with the Greensboro Four, um, how they played a, a vital role mm-hmm. in like the civil rights movement. Um, the sit-in movement, uh, Bennett College is right across the street, a historically black uh, women's college. Um, mm-hmm. It's the sister college for Morehouse, the all-men's college in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and then you have like almost, uh, you have Delhi High School right there, which sends a bunch of students yeah. to A&T. Yeah. So there's a lot of history there. Got it. And, and- Mm-hmm. Not not to go down too far down this path, but the Greensboro Four they were four students at A and T. Do you want to do you want to tell that story real quick? Oh sure, yeah. Greensboro Four four, four students from North Carolina A and T. February first, nineteen sixty. They sat. They 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 started the sit-in movement at the Woolworths downtown Greensboro. And you know, at first, North Carolina was a little hesitant to support them. Actually, threatened to suspend them, hmm. and it, it kind of disassociated themselves with the Greensboro Four. But then, when Bennett College uh, came on board and supported, and a bunch of students, the high school students, and then other colleges around the country, and then it became like a national thing. Uh, they became like I wouldn't say famous, but they made headlines for what they were doing. And then, you know, within six months, Woolworth, yeah. they desegregated their counter, uh, not just in Greensboro, but across the, the state. And then it was less than a year. Um, that's when other other states started to follow suit. And then that would eventually led to the, you know, the Civil Rights Act signed in 1965. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it, 
for anyone, not, not that, that we, you know, we're not this is about your, your background and your history, but for anyone who's interested, I mean, researching and learning about that Greensboro Four and what they did and how that movement created such a, a great momentum towards that Civil, civil Rights Act, is, it is really great stuff. I, I highly recommend people educate themselves about what those four individuals did for this country. Uh, okay, so so back to you. You're at A and T. You're finishing up with your agricultural degree. What what happens now? Like, what, what what's your first? Are you do you get out into the do you get out into the field or do you kind of take a pivot? Oh no. Um. So I finished with my bachelor's degree in agricultural economics. Uh, I wasn't quite sure what to do with it, so I decided to get my master's in agricultural economics. <laughs> so um, I did a, I did an internship with Cargill after my junior year in Minot, North Dakota. Huh. Spent a summer there. That was interesting very much. You know, I think I was there three weeks before I saw another black person. <laughs> so coming from Greensboro all the way to Minot, that was a culture shock. But, uh, but you know, I figured it out and I made it happen. So coming back from my senior year, still wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. Cargill, they liked me. I built a lot of rapport with them and the recruiters. So they offered me another internship after my senior year. And this one was in St. Louis. <laughs> I told them I did not want to go back to Minot. Uh, I appreciate it. I checked it off my list, but hey, that, that deal was done. So they yeah. put me in St. Louis. And that was an awesome experience, a bigger city in the Midwest. I had never been there before. Um, so that was just awesome. And then, uh, so I came back from St. Louis and started my master's program in agriculture economics uh, with a concentration in uh, marketing and international trade. So uh, that was a two-year okay. program and, and knocked that out, graduated in 2002. And even, it's funny because I did my internships and my, in so, so I tell the young people or the, those that are not quite sure, do internships, do be an apprentice uh, because my internships convinced me this is not what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, most people have these interns like, oh man, this is awesome. This No, after I completed those internships, they were great working experiences. I learned a lot, but I was convinced this was not, this was not it. I still wasn't sure what I wanted to do after I finished my master's. And so I, I started, uh, with a multi-level marketing company after I graduated. Oh my goodness. My family okay. was furious. There's like, you went to school for six years. We sacrificed to get you through this undergrad and bachelor's and you're out here selling insurance. <laughs> like what? <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah, that was that a four year time frame of my life was really interesting. So what was it about the internships that convinced you to say, this is really what I don't want to do? And that's what put me into this uh, marketing organization. It was just the whole corporate structure. It was just the climbing a corporate ladder. I just didn't buy into that. Like I was a good fit. I, re I remember. All right. So I interviewed with Cargill and I went to a job mm -hmm. fair. No, I, took, I had an internship with Cargill my junior year. My senior year, I was at a job fair, and Arch Daniels and Midland is a competitor of Cargill. And so they were really impressed at my internship in Minot, North Dakota. So they flew me out to the headquarters in uh, Indiana, somewhere in the Midwest they were located. 
and they walked me through the facility. I met with the CEO, and then the recruiter took me out to dinner. He's like, where do you see yourself in five years? I was like, I see yeah. myself in business for myself. <laughs> this is the naive me. Like, even if that was the case, that's still not something you say when somebody flies you out to potentially work with them. Um, <laughs> so, but I was just, I was so naive and just, I was just genuine speaking from the heart. But I was just like, I may work for someone in the beginning, but there's nothing. So they were looking for someone to invest in and kind of throw, you know, a lot of resources at that was going to have a long-term career with them. And, and so... Needless to say, when I got back to Greensboro, I never heard from them again. (laughs) (laughs) And so I I emailed the guy that flew me out there that kind of coordinated that. And he just, he's like, yeah, so um, we're still just trying to weigh things. We're still trying to, you know, meet with other candidates. But you'll be hearing from us soon. (laughs) And yeah, so I'm still waiting on that email. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 18 years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, the the culture of I wouldn't say the necessarily the culture of agriculture economics, but there's the culture of the corporate structure, and just you know going to work every day, not being passionate. I just wasn't passionate about the work. I didn't, I didn't feel connected. I felt even if I did do it, it would just be a job, you know, making decent money, good money, and you know I would be. I felt I would be average. I wasn't maximizing my skills and talents. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, that's common, right? I mean, that's a common feeling. I think a lot of people get out into corporate America and I have a lot of guests that talk about, you know, they, mm-hmm. they, they spent some time in larger organizations, but they really find that the, that kind of being a number or just being kind of a piece in the puzzle that's interchangeable because the next, you know, they'll just go get the next person to come in to push the buttons. Just right. doesn't, It doesn't have a rewarding feel to it. So yeah, it could be, steady income and, and there's some kind of consistency to it. But at the end of the day, you just don't come home feeling like you made a real difference. And for a lot of people, that means a lot, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So to, yeah. You definitely want to find something. Even I, did, I still, even then, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew just trying out different things. I knew that wasn't it. Yeah. So was the, was this marketing firm, was this a was it more of a utility decision then? You had to get a job, you had to create income, or was there like, I want to go learn about insurance? Well, yeah, it was, I mean, the guy who kind of, I guess, recruited me or introduced me, he was a great salesperson. I went to the, what they call the opportunity meeting, and mm-hmm. I just, it just lit a fire in me, like, man, this is unlimited income if I work hard. I mean, my work ethic will determine the amount of money I make, and so it was, you know, I'm selling insurance, I'm helping people. I've never, I'm not that familiar with that. So, yeah, it was just being a greenie and being <laughs> introduced to an opportunity where you, the sky's the limit. And of course, they show you the people that are, have the diamonds drive, driving the big vehicles, just being excited uh, about the possibility. Did that for four years, realized that mm, this, this is not it. And so 2010, that's when I got involved with, with the Enterprise Rent-A-Car. I was there for about uh, two years. They have a really well-known training program at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, the training program was uh, phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, you don't get paid. You're not getting paid anything, yeah. but you are learning <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how to run uh, a rental location. And just learning, like, I mean, the the 
And, th- and that's another thing, young people, no matter where you are, learn, prepare to go to your next, right? So learn skills, learn leadership, learn uh, processes, and, and, and those are transferable. Yeah, so you just learn how to coordinate, you learn how to lead, you learn how to manage. And so, yeah, that's transferable. So I was there for two years, and then I transitioned, and I was in the top sales, you know, the car, the, <laughs> the insurance for the cars, the rental cars. Yeah, yeah. I was the top person selling that <laughs> every single month. And nice. I was just but the thing is, I didn't make any I didn't make any extra money. Yeah. So I'm just like, hold on, I'm the top person and I'm not making any extra money. This this not adding up. <laughs> <laughs> right. So so I'm reading, you know, different sales books, different books on self development and self improvement. So anyway, make a long story short, I end up I wanted to find something that was 100% commission and you got paid solely off your effort. I went to, I was young, single. I wanted to throw security out the window and go for it. Interesting. That's how I got involved in merchant services, credit card processing. I did that all the way up to 2019. Uh, You know, it was a good run for nine years. The industry just started to change quite a bit. You know, no regulation, a bunch of bad people, you know, sales reps started to jump in and that just kind of put a sour taste in your mouth. When you're, when you have credibility, when you're, you know, trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no doubt. So the merchant services, did you find it? Did you seek it? I mean, it it isn't, it was an interesting field, especially like you're saying from like 2010 to 2017, 2018. Oh yeah. Um, So yeah, I I, I was looking for something hundred percent commission while I was at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. So I found it and I just, I have to find, find a company. And then I researched that company. I was like, okay. And I knew that, you know, people use credit cards. And and then another thing I liked about it is once I uh, sold point of sale system machines, and once I put a machine in, in a business, every time someone swiped a card, I got paid. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it wasn't much. But after a while, I mean, at one time I had over 145 businesses I was serving. Wow. And I had some businesses, you know, like mechanic shops. That were doing fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a month. Wow! And so, yeah, I would get a percentage of that. Yeah. So I, you know, I had built up my my residual income after seven, eight years to a point where I was making good money. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah cool. that was <laughs> to a point where it can make you a little lazy. You said there was there was kind of a new wave of kind of entrance into the industry, but were you also Oh yeah, so I mean, it went from no, not that many companies to like the industry started to get flooded. I mean, it got to a point where you could get a merchant service account at Sam's Club, at Home yeah. Depot, uh, I mean PayPal, and then all these other. Everybody wanted to get their hands, but when I started in 2010, it was just like, and then all the banks wanted to get yeah. in. I mean, now uh, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, they would hire full time credit card processing people. Mm-hmm. Right, because you got to think when you start a business, generally the first things you do is open up a bank account. Yeah, and so immediately the banks are going to jump on you and offer all you all these whistles and bells to use their merchant service system, and so the competition just got way too steep for me. Now, are you operating as a member of a like a company, or are you like an independent, like almost like franchise when you're doing this? Yeah, I was an independent contractor, so I would represent a company. So you, you you kind of accomplished your goal of being essentially in business for yourself, right? Absolutely. Mm. 
Like, <laughs> yeah, I, was, I mean, that was the greatest. I ain't have to ask nobody for time off. I ain't have vacation days. I mean, I purchased my own health insurance and my, all my own benefits. And, you know, I could take a week off if I wanted to. And it was a beautiful thing. Nine years, you know, you're in your 20s. You're doing your own thing. I'm, I'm in my 20s, early 30s. I'm making good money. I'm 100% commissioned. And so I loved it. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I did. And then, you know, I would travel. And then while I was there, while I was traveling, I would pick up, kind of pick up customers while I was traveling. No doubt. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had clients in South Carolina. I had clients in Delaware, Virginia. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you could sell anywhere. There was no restriction. I could sell anywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you you made a pivot then again, right? So you you were doing that, and you just did you kind of just did you wind it down, or did you were you able to just kind of sell off your accounts, or how did how did you get? Oh. Uh, okay. So um, so yeah. So after a while, I started to you know because the market was starting to become flooded and just oversaturated. I was like, you know, I still have a passion to help people to, you know, to do something meaningful. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get back in financial services. I started looking for financial service companies, financial planning that I could work with. So I interviewed with like, I applied to Merrill Lynch, Wells Fargo Advisors. I interviewed with all of them. And so Northwestern Mutual, I, I love their planning philosophy, their support, and how they just have an invested interest for you to be successful. I just thought that was a good fit, and so I decided to go with Northwestern Mutual. It's been great. I'm two. I hit two years last week. I'm one of the top in my. I'm in. I'm in. The, I'm in the top ten percent as far as you know, just planning, insurance, and investment. In the top ten percent in the country. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm licensed in 29 states, and with this pandemic, like, I mean, my business was already going virtual, and then this uh, pandemic just really expedited that whole process so you i mean you yeah because you can now you can completely scale up the amount of people you can meet with if you can get the right yeah so yeah so so and you know just to kind of recap the the the, the kind of timeline there i mean you know, it's funny you, you you had an inter- interview early in your career coming out of college and you kind of made a statement like i want to be in business for myself mm-hmm. you essentially found your path and that's kind of what you've been doing just in two different fields one in payment services and now in the, uh, for Northwestern, Northwestern Mutual, correct? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, if you are a hard worker, if you, I mean, that's really what it boils down to. Like no one has to tell me to get up at, that's, you know, get up early in the morning, stay late. I don't mind working off commission. Like that was one of the big things that impressed them. That fact that, I already had a proven track record of starting nothing, starting with nothing and building and building something. And so I had a track record in that because that's the biggest thing to take people out is going two, three, you know, two, three pay periods with, without a paycheck, whereby, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a really big saver, yeah. uh, having an emergency fund, having a cushion. So, I mean, I can go three, four months without a paycheck. And so they heard that. They're like, oh, come on, boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the fact, like, you know, I told them, like, <laughs> I was like, you know, I didn't know anything about that field, but I, learned, I was willing to learn. And so I would start my day with 30 pennies in my left pocket. Every business I prospected, I would move a penny from my left pocket to my right pocket. I would not go home until my left pocket was empty. That is amazing. That is a great story. 
<laughs> and I did that for three months until someone said yes. And then I'm like, oh, he said yes. I'm like, okay, that felt good. And then I was like, I got to keep duplicating this feeling. Yeah. Well, and let's let's do the quick math there. If you have 30 pennies in your left pocket and they move to your right pocket every day for three months, that means you, you at least made 2,500 prospecting calls before you got one yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even so, that person that said yes, he did not mean he he didn't sign up right away. He said yes, I hear you out. Yes, this sounds good. And so yeah, yeah, it may be another week, two weeks before we got business. So I'm like, I got to keep doing this. And then even when they say yes, I didn't get paid a lot of money. So they only pay you anywhere from fifty yeah. to a hundred dollars per closed deal. That's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's barely gas money. That's gas money lunch and and so. Yeah really really want you to make your money is in them keeping the machine and and building so i mean i had to figure out how to i mean i got to a point where i was getting three to five i was closing about five deals a week for a while so that's about two thousand dollars a month like my residuals started kicking in really nice after about three four months so i was about six months in where i started to get like a comma check i mean not just the perseverance of just sticking with that right but like there's a lot i mean people talk about going into business for themselves and they think about well i gotta start a company or i got all the skills you just kind of just hit on there right like the perseverance the the kind of grit and and the things you read about you know like like you have to have all that to be successful in, in both these fields that you found yourself in and 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 it sounds like that's the key, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. So you constantly have to feed your mind with positive positivity because there's so much doubt creeps in between the, the news. I mean, you watch the news for that going two hours, you think the world about to end. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my goodness! So, listen, if you're trying to start a business, please stay away from the news. <laughs> At least, <laughs> right? I mean, so you constantly have to feed yourself positivity. Um, I mean, of course, you have to develop your skills and knowledge as far as the actual business. Yeah. But the hardest part is just the self-talk that you have. I talk to myself even driving to working out in the morning. First thing you should do, the first thing you should do is wake <laughs> up and thank God for, you know, thank whoever, a higher being, someone outside yourself for just waking you up. Right. And then first thing I'm reading a devotional. And then, you know, once you take care of uh, mother nature and biology and, and so forth. Then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fitness. Once I get my spiritual, then I'm fitness. And this is before anybody even up in my house. I mean, by the time folks start waking up, I mean, I've, I've gotten my, my spiritual, I've, I've worked out quite a bit and then I'm, I'm studying. And so I'm already hit it again. Just the, the, the advice about starting your day off in a positive place, right? Like, how do you get into that routine? It's, it's great advice for anybody, regardless of where you're at in your career, because I think you're right. I mean, it's too easy to grab the phone and check social media or check the news, and the headlines aren't going to give you positivity. <laughs> so that's a good, you know, as we kind of get into a couple of questions that, that I like to ask people about, you know, how they, they kind of motivate themselves or how they kind of look back on their career. You know, you, you just talked about mission and vision and you're talking about yourself, right? Like what, what would you say to someone, you know, because as a 20 something year old, you're not thinking about personal mission or personal vision, or you might not be, but you're, you know, you're saying, I mean, one of the most important things that you've got is how you've created a, a personal mission and vision. I mean, 
how did you arrive on that? And is that something that you got to later in your career or, or in your life? Or was that something you feel like you probably had most of the way through as an adult? Oh, no, uh, definitely not uh, most of the way through. So, yeah, definitely later in life. You have that inner voice, right? That So, so mm-hmm. this is just my belief now. I believe God has gifted us with, all, with certain skills and talents, right? So that is his gift to us. How we use them to better the world is our gift to him. From an early, from, I, I, I knew that early on, but I just didn't know how to articulate it, how to actually work my skills and talents with purpose. I just knew that I wasn't meant to have a job, the clock in, to just kind of go through the motions. I didn't know how to verbalize it, but I knew that wasn't it. So when I found something, so when you work off 100, and that's another thing, when you work off 100% commission, you know that you have to work. (laughs) You can't just show up. Right. Just just it's just 100 percent commission. When I tell people that it's so I mean, people's jaw drop. But me, listen, I work I work 100 percent commission even now with a wife and kids. Yeah. yeah. And a house and a mortgage now. Yeah. But I, but but all that experience previously has led me to where I'm in where I'm at now. And like my wife doesn't work like I, I retired her like two years ago. <laughs> so that's why I tell people to appreciate where you are, learn valuable life lessons in the moment. Like if if you have, if you are a, a street sweeper, or if you are working Wendy's, McDonald's, Chick Fil A, wherever you work in, there's valuable lessons and work. Right, showing up on time, showing not not even showing up on time, showing up early, working for the job you want, not the job you have. I learned those disciplines uh, when I was a single man. Because I knew that one day I would be taking care of a family. And so I knew I had these are certain disciplines I, I needed to have. You mentioned you're a reader. And, you know, clearly some of these things you've talked about um, in terms of learning about your skills and kind of reflection. I mean, is there is there any particular books that you recommend people like you feel like are, are kind of must reads for how you develop yourself and how that applies to a career? Oh, sure. Um, now I'm actually reading. So. Uh, in my neighborhood, I may uh, have a dog. I take little walks. I may throw in a rucksack and go rucking, and so that's a great way to knock out an audio book. Yeah, you know, I'm getting exercise and I'm able to clear, you know, listen to audio books. So right now, I'm reading a 12 week year by Brian uh, Moran, and basically, it's condensing uh, a year into 12 weeks. So you you break down you break up your year in twelve week increments hmm. because a year you know a lot of times people don't get started until they have two or three months left because yeah. it just look it looks so far away yeah yeah but and, and and you and you waste a lot of time yeah because you think you have so much of it yeah but if you break down your year into twelve weeks you are going to be more efficient you're going to be more focused because it's like I only got to do it in twelve weeks and so. Um, that's really helped me, you know, kind of trim a lot of the fat throughout my day. And then another one that really uh, helped young people out is um, David Darren Hardy's book, um, The Compound Effect. And I mean, just a simple example, um, like just making tiny, small changes in your in your day, because you don't choose your success. Your daily habits choose your success. 
Um, if you don't mind a little curse words, uh, <laughs> David Goggins uh, can't hurt me. I love his book. Oh my goodness, he has a clean version too. But uh, sometimes you need a little cursing in your life. Add add, add some shock value. And I'm a man of faith, and I don't mind it. <laughs> yeah, you got to spark. You got to spark yourself a little bit. Cool. All right. Well, that I mean, there's a lot of things about you know, just like you said, those little habits. Like you know, you combine two of the pieces of advice you've just mentioned, right? Like, don't work for the job you have. Work for the job that you want, or the position you want, or the place you want to be. And those, and within that, then you you know, applying that kind of the habits are really what puts you in that position to go out and get the next role. So it's finding what are those little things that you do on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis that are going to make the difference. It's not, like you say, wasting time thinking about what you want to be. It's, it's, it's finding those little habits that are going to get you. there. Absolutely. And I mean, as far as F3, you know, starting to work out at Dudley high school, which is now known as Wakanda. Yep. I use those same, you know, habits. You know, when we started out, after the hype of it died down, I mean, there was only maybe eight to ten of us coming out regularly. Yep. But I just kept focusing on telling people to invite, to invite, to invite, and I was just, every week I would make sure I showed up with an F and G, a new person. I would constantly invite, invite. I just never stopped inviting, and then after a while. Somebody said yes. <laughs> I just believe that someone's always going to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you ask enough, like, I'm not that bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and then, and so it's the compound effect. And so it's like the, uh, it's like interest. You don't see it in the beginning, but after a while, like now I don't have to go to a workout and there's still, I, I still hear about 25, 30 guys showing up. And so that's, that's a great feeling. We both are big, you know, we're obviously we're, we're very big fans of F3. I think we both could claim it's done a lot for us individually. But F3 probably was predominantly, you know, kind of the, the population of men was predominantly white men. And this Dudley High School workout site changed in a lot of ways, at least here in Greensboro, the face of that population. And it really brought in a great number of individuals uh, from, from, from the community that just weren't participating, not because they weren't invited or not, not whatever, but we, you bringing that F3 to Dudley High School opened up that opportunity. So for people talking about an individual here in, in Terrence and his drive to kind of bring something that was special to him to a bigger community, that's what he's talking about there in Wakanda, uh, what, what's called the F3 Wakanda workout on Saturday morning. So if you're ever in F- if you're ever in Greensboro, you want to check it out, 7 a.m. at Dudley High School. It is a fascinating opportunity to get your, get your butt kicked, but really see something special and and how these guys, you and a couple other guys, really brought um, the the kind of F3 in the community opportunity together. So I thank you for that for sure. So all right. Well I've got a couple more questions. I'm I'm sensitive to your time. Um, you know, one question is, is, you know, everyone has tough decisions in their career. Was there a particularly tough decision that you had to make, good or bad? And how did you make that decision? Um, tough decision in my career. Um, I mean, every now and again, you, you find yourself having to uh, walk away from certain prospects. Yeah, just it's one of those things you, you almost have to cut your losses early. 
right? And you have to really, you know, once you get to a point and you, you understand the value you bring to people and the work you put in and people do not, you know, uh, reciprocate that energy, you, you have to, as much as you, you can't help everyone, right? And so, you know, having to cut certain people off or yeah. just yeah. kind of decide not to work with them. You know, after a while, it was hard in the beginning, but then you realize the headache and, and the time you, you're saving yourself it makes it a little easier. Is that something that, I mean, I, I think that's a, for anyone, especially in sales, but probably in a lot of fields, that's a tough one because you put a lot of energy in there. Mm-hmm. You kind of build, you know, kind of like a, um, you know, kind of sunk cost feeling, you know, you keep kind of investing in it in terms of time. I mean, is there, is there a way that you identify like a moment and you're like, all right, I got to cut this because I'm going to keep wasting time? Well, it's almost, I don't even know if it's an actual psychological term, but it's almost like playing the uh, the slots at, at in Vegas. Yep. Like you, you didn't play so much money and, and lost. Now you're not necessarily playing to win. You're playing just to kind of recoup your losses. Yeah. And so if you, <laughs> if you cut it early, I mean, if people are, are re- constantly rescheduling, they are, you know, schedule appointments, showing up late, not really respecting my time. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of telltale signs that this person, and the reason I say it is because I, 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 I pushed the envelope and, and decided to bring those type folks on as clients. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once they're clients, they're clients. And it's like, sometimes I regret the energy I put in. So I was like, man, these are signs that people who don't appreciate your time, they have a, a, a beer budget with champagne case. So people, I mean, it's almost like uh, dating, you know, when you're looking for your uh, significant other, generally people give you signs that they're, they're, you're not a good fit early on. So it's your job to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to catch those signs yeah. early. Generally after the second date, you know, if this is somebody you want to be with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good analogy for sure. One of the things, and you've talked a little bit about kind of looking back on your career um, and you've made a couple of comments about advice to kind of a young professional, but if you think about, you know, defining success in your career, do you think the definition of success for you has changed, you know, from when it was, where you were 20 years ago to where you're at today? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, Definitely. Now I appreciate my time. I appreciate having the the resources and the time available to spend with my family. You know, mm-hmm. before I could work, you know, when I was single, I'm working seven, eight o'clock at night, uh, working weekends. You know, now I don't have to do that. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. being able to go to, you know, kids soccer game and coach and you know, football game like my wife and, and son are in Vegas right now. Right. And my son's flag football tournament. <laughs> like when I was like when I was younger coming up, you play flag football in the neighborhood, you know, at, yeah, the, yeah, park. at the park. The they street. are in Vegas. And <laughs> so I'm here with my, my daughters. And so I just think that's cool to be able to have the, the resources and, you know, to be able to do that. So, yeah. So the definition yeah. of success yeah. for me is really just continue to build on my talents and resources. I mean, my talents and skills um, to provide uh, experiences for my family and where they can say, yeah. and I'm not big. Yeah, yeah, we buy them things, but just to create experiences because that's what it's all about. Sharing those experiences with those you love.
Cool. And then the last question I have is, is, you know, one of my, you know, favorite questions, maybe again, because I love the movie Back to the Future, but if you can get in your DeLorean and you can go back to have a conversation with yourself, right? So you're going to go back and visit 21, 22 year old Terrence. What do you think is one or two things you're going to say to yourself about how to think about, you know, your career or think, think about things in life. Like what, what are, what are some things that you'd say? I probably wasn't thinking about it. So I'm going to go, I'm going to just maybe give myself a little advice as a 20 or something year old, you know, save your money, <laughs> invest, invest early <laughs> um, and, and take risks, continue to take risks. I'm glad I, I was a risk taker. So I was a natural risk taker. So if you're not a natural risk taker, I would say start with something, uh, something small, pick up a, a hobby, pick up a, a, on the weekend, but um, learn how to generate in, multiple streams of income, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I always mm-hmm. think, I don't care how much you love your job, just, just know that no matter how good things are going, things will change. And no matter how bad things are going, things will change, right? And so just being able to be prepared for that uh, but yeah, telling my twenty-year-old self uh, continue. I mean, I took risks when I was younger. I mean, you heard a bunch of them. I took risks. I mean, I transferred. Listen, I transferred to North Carolina. I forgot to tell this. I transferred to North Carolina A&T without ever having visited the school. <laughs> the first day of me setting foot on North Carolina A&T campus was the day I walked. I was moving into my dorm. <laughs> That's amazing. Right. I went to my, as a as a young black man going doing an internship in Minot, North Dakota. Yeah. And being there three weeks before I saw someone else that looked like me. Yeah. So I'm a natural risk taker. So, I mean, you don't have to go that far. But I would say, I, I mean, I teach my kids to be risk takers. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, Terrence, man, you got a great story. This has been a lot of fun. Is there anything else you want to say? I mean, is there, I mean, about career advice or where, where you're kind of heading? Um, I mean, something to a 20 year old, if, if you're not sure what direction, if you have some opportunities in front of you, I would say if what you're reaching for is greater than what you're holding on to, then go for it. Got it. Yeah. Right. You can't steal second, which is a foot on first. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. There you and go. I just dropped the mic. I just dropped my virtual mic. There you go. So. Yeah. <laughs> you, hey, man. You've had some great it, lines. It's been a great opportunity. Yeah, you've had some great lines in this discussion for sure. But that that's a good. <laughs> one. I like that. You can't steal second if you if you got your foot foot firmly planted on first. So. Right. Right. Cool, man. Well, hey, I appreciate your time. This has been a great discussion. Um, thank you so much, Terrence. Oh, thank thanks for having me. I appreciate it, and. uh I'll see you at the top because the bottom's too crowded, man. (laughs) I like it. All right, buddy. (laughs) Talk to you. All right. Yeah.